You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast, presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! All right. Thanks for joining me again on this journey to our full value. And we've got a great, great, great interview today with Charles Mingini, the director of bands at Vandercook College of Music and co-writer of the Essential Elements Method books. Before we get into the interview, I want to talk a little bit about my experience teaching out of the Essential Elements Method books and just method books in general, because I think there are some really good things about method books and some things that teachers need to watch out for. So currently in my program, we use the first two Essential Elements Method books. Book one is for our beginning sixth grade band and book two is for the seventh grade band. Uh, These books come with an online code that gives students access to the whole library and they can access the library at home, on their computer, or on their iPad. Now the online system also has backing tracks and the option to send the teacher recordings, which has been really helpful and it's been a hit with the students. They're progressing really, really swiftly. So this is my first year really teaching out of a method book since I didn't get a lot of experience doing it in the past. And there are some things that I've found can be really, really successful when you're working out of a method book. And then there are also some things that I think a lot of people need to watch out for. So first off, the method book is a really valuable instructional tool, but it is in no way a curriculum for band. And what I mean by that is kind of amidst the hustle and bustle of the school year, it can be really, really easy to allow method books to take the role of something more than than really what it is. For example, an important goal for any musician, any one of your students, is probably to develop the ability to produce a consistent, full tone. And most method books have great exercises to address producing a consistent, full tone. Um, but I think it's important to realize that the real objective is tone production, not performing line four on page five. Because you can get really, really bogged down with, make sure we're performing line four on page five perfectly, and forgetting about that your real goal right now that you set out for at the beginning of class was to teach students to develop the ability to produce a consistent full tone. In Joseph Also Brooks' book, Pathways, a guide for energizing and enriching band, orchestra, and choral programs, I found this quote by Harry K. Wong, who said, Teachers who have no curriculum follow the method book, page by page, cover to cover, and look for busy work for students. When this happens, you have students who walk into the classroom and say things like, What are we going to do today? Are we going to do anything important today? Did I miss anything important while I was absent? And that can be really frustrating. Um, Now on the other side of things, method books do offer a variety of material for progressing with basic music fundamentals. They include songs in tons of different styles. They can be used as a reference at, at home for practice or... Um, They even have great illustrations for proper posture, playing positions, and instrument cleaning, things like that. I guess what I'm trying to say 
is that method books are important. They're important to a band, but you don't want your students to answer the, the question of what did you learn this year with book one? That's not what you want. Now, when I talked to Charles Mangini, he shed some light on how difficult it was just to write one line of the Essential Elements method books. It's a process that takes a lot of thought and a lot of time. We're going to kick it to the interview now, but before we do, let me give Charles a brief introduction. Charles is the president, professor of music, and director of bands at Vandercook College of Music in Chicago. Before teaching at Vandercook College, he spent 18 years as a successful high school band director in Missouri and Kansas. So without further ado, here is my interview with Charles Mangini. I've got professor of music, director of bands, and president of Vandercook College of Music on the line here, Dr. Charles Mangini. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for the invitation. No problem. Um, I found your blog back when I was in high school. I was a high school student in 2010, and the reason I found it was I was looking up all the composers from one of my Essential Elements books. The funny thing uh-huh. about that is now I'm a, I'm a middle school band director, and I'm using the same book. Um, Fantastic. Can you, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the story of how you got involved in the process of co-writing these books and what that was like? Uh, sure. be happy to. Uh, you know, the essential elements method uh, is really, I think it's the only method that really was just, they, they took an existing method and they revised it and came out with a, a new and most method books will take an existing method book and then they'll kind of revise it, but then they'll put a new name on it. Essential Owens didn't do that. So when that was going to happen uh, back in the oh, mid-90s, um, I was teaching at Vandercook College of Music, and I was asked to be on the writing team uh, to serve as an educational writer to put more educational components uh, in the book. And so I did that, uh, accepted graciously, didn't really know what I was getting into, Mm -hmm. but I thought it would be a good opportunity um, to just kind of help music education. And uh, so I was living in Chicago at the time, and the writing team uh, was working out of Milwaukee. So um, it was very common, uh, two, three, sometimes four days a week, uh, to leave Chicago after teaching at, say, 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, drive to Milwaukee, get there anywhere from 4.30 to 5 o'clock, and then oh write gosh. until 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and wow. then drive back to Chicago and teach the next day. And it was interesting when, when we would get done, and we'd come out of the meeting after two and a half, three hours, and say, boy, it was really successful tonight. You know, we got three lines done, or we got two lines <laughs> done. Um, because every line was labored over. Uh, every note was... You know, cussed and discussed, and why is there a, a rest here, and why is there a breath mark here, and how does this function, and why do we do it this way, and and yeah. uh, are we making sure that we're reinforcing the concepts that we're teaching earlier, and is the sequence, we feel the sequence is moving along at a good pace, and are we able to assess all the material that we've presented, and things like that. So there was a lot of discussion, and of course, you're dealing with some, you know, major brain power with people like Paul Lavender and John Higgins and Tim Lawson Heiser. Right. There's a total kind of, of five of you, right? 
Right, yes. And um, so, I mean, there's some major brain power in the room, and, you know, there's some real discussion, and it was just kind of interesting sometimes to just sit back and listen to the discussion, and sometimes it was interesting to just get involved with it and, and press the point a little bit. And uh, But it was just great. It was the, it was the greatest uh, education of what collaboration uh, is all about. So it was really fantastic. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it shows because those books really work wonders. Well, um, thank you. Yeah. So now you are the president, professor of music, and director of bands at Vander Cook. But yes, sir. I know you haven't been teaching there forever, right? You started in high school? Right. This is my 23rd year at Vander Cook. I, I graduated okay. from college in 1976. Okay. And I was wow. really looking for a, looking to go on and get my master's degree, do a graduate assistantship, and this job came open in Kansas City. I didn't really know anything about it. I was encouraged to apply. Mm-hmm. I had never interviewed for a job. So um, I kind of applied just to get somebody off my back and <laughs> go through the process. Sure. It's a large, large suburban high school, had a really fine reputation, and I got the job as a kid out of college uh, one week before school started. Oh, man. And so we kind of jumped in, and I was there for nine years. And... um during those nine years, I actually got a master's degree in educational administration. I thought maybe I might want to be a principal someday. Yeah. And then uh, I moved from that school to Olathe North High School on the Kansas side of the border in Kansas City, suburban high school, went in as the band director and uh, and uh, also the chairman of the district band directors and realized that, you know, my love is truly music education. So I went back and got a doctorate degree in wind band conducting. And then I was, um, everything was done except my dissertation in Kansas City. And I started applying for college jobs and uh, I applied for Vander Cook and got the interview um, and accepted the position after it was offered. And I've been here now 23 years. Wow. That's, that's a pretty amazing story. Um, yeah, so I've been, been teaching 41 years. Oh, my gosh. 41 yeah. years. That's a long 41. time. Yeah. And it, se- it seems like you've still got so much passion for teaching. I mean, is, how, do you, how do you sustain that? Oh, well, you hang around good people. You believe in what you do. You realize that everybody's trying to do their very, very best in life. I don't think anybody's out there just really purposely trying to screw things up, you know? Right. And, and you try to work with people from their perspective, and you just, I mean, you just celebrate the fact that uh, we're all in this together, and sometimes somebody else's way may be better than my way, and sometimes I'm able to help someone else see a different thing. So, you know, I think the passion is knowing that, you know, you're contributing in a positive way. Um, Education is right. kind of a difficult thing because, you know, there's no immediate there's no immediate growth. I mean, you don't go into a classroom, you don't present a lesson, and immediately the band gets like, you know, who right. is better, right? Right. I mean, as, for you as a middle school band director, your pride is going to see watching those kids move from middle school to high school and, and perform in high school. And then some of those kids are going to go off to college. Uh, some may, may not perform. Some may join a campus band, a jazz band, basketball band, marching band, something like that. Some sure. may be music majors, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then after they graduate, they'll drift back to your community, and at some point they'll see you and they'll say, you know what, man, that was the coolest thing ever that 
you know, I was in your band and the, remember the time we did this, remember the time we played here, remember the time we did this. And, right. and that's where the rewards really start coming in is to watch uh, the impact that you've had in your situation. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, like you said, that, that takes a long time. It, so it you does. Don't see you know, it overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always have this, uh, uh, I have this little saying, it says, most overnight sensations take 10 to 15 years, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually went to your session this year at Mid- Midwest. This is my first year going to oh, Midwest. Great. Yeah, uh-huh. for uh, the developing middle school band and band director. And, right, uh, right. Do you present at Midwest every year? No. Uh, Midwest has a rule that you can only present like every three years, I think. Oh, gotcha. So, uh, I've been on a panel of the last few years, but no, this was uh, – I hadn't presented in a while. Right. So uh, I know Vandercook yeah. was in that YMCA gym. You guys co-founded it, right, in 1946? That's correct. The, Boy, the, the you've done your conference. research. That's good, yeah. <laughs> Vandercook, Vandercook started the uh, the Midwest Clinic with um, the Howard Lyons of Howard Lyons Band Instrument Company, uh, Neil Chose of the Neil Chose Music Publishing Company, and and H.A. Uh, Van, I mean, sorry, H.E. Nutt, who was a co-founder of Vandercook College of Music. And the three of those guys put together the idea of having this uh, place where people could come and, and and hear new music, see new product, and learn new teaching methodologies and, and kind of beef up their teaching. Right. And that's how it started. So Vandercook was one of the co-founders, and, and we were the only group that has played at that convention every year since its inception. Wow. That's pretty that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and all those – Students that were were helping out. I was talking to a couple of them. They were all from Vandercook uh-huh. too. All had great things. Yeah, we have about we have about eighty or ninety students that work the entire convention. So yeah, you know, they'll serve as amazing. ushers and set up crew all day, and then they have to rehearse at night for their concert on Friday. So it's a yeah, it's a full week. So a lot of the listeners on the show probably know what Vandercook is, but can you just? Uh, talk a little bit about what makes it so special for music educators. Sure. Vandercook is the only college in the nation that's solely dedicated to music education. We offer one degree, the Bachelor of Music Education degree or the Master of Music Education degree. But it's all one degree focused music education. And and so when a student comes in from high school, um, there's a couple of things that happen. Because we're small and because we're focused on 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 preparing the total music educator. All of our students play in band, they all sing in choir, and they all play in orchestra during the time that they're in uh, in college. And when I say play in orchestra, I'm saying play, in, play a string instrument in orchestra. Right, right. Then, uh, then they learn um, uh, to play, uh, not just learn about, but they actually have an instrument in their hand and spend uh, a half a semester on every... Uh, wind and percussion and string instrument. And then once they go through that process of, of those techniques classes, then they have another semester of just the methods classes. Now that you know how to play it, here's how you teach that kind of stuff that they do. So it's a real, it's a real focused, comprehensive program. Um, kids are in class a lot. But boy, when they get done, I mean, they, they're, they're pretty amazing. And, yeah. and I, at the Midwest conference, I don't know if you, you saw this or not or noticed this, but, you know, most bands have a glut of, of percussion. I mean, there's, you have more percussions than you have parts. Yeah. So be, because of our, our makeup, all of our percussionists then declare 
a secondary wind instrument so that when oh. they were not playing in the percussion section, they came into the band and they played that music on a wind instrument. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty, so, that's pretty awesome. So in that concert, there was, there was about a third of our students um, who were either on secondary instruments or who had never played an in, a, a band instrument before that semester. And we had guitar majors in there and vocal majors in there and string majors in there. Oh so uh, it, it makes it a little bit challenging to, to prepare them and to teach them. You've got to be a little bit more patient. But, right. but when they graduate, they are just so fully prepared. It's, it's pretty amazing. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I have one final question. Sure. Uh, if you could give your 25-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, man. If I could give my 25-year-old self one piece of advice, uh, slow down and trust yourself. Be a little bit, be a little bit more patient with people and with the process, and trust yourself. Be persistent. You know, um, uh, sometimes we are in such a hurry to get there, we missed all the excitement and all the fun of the journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a, uh, you know, when you're young, you go to a contest or a festival. And, and you're out to, to prove yourself. You want to show people that you're doing good. And how do you do that? You, you, you work to win a trophy or get a one rating or something like that. Right. As you, as you get older, you know, you go to a festival and you don't care if you get a one rating. You just don't want to get a two rating. You know, you just mm -hmm. don't want to be right. And then as you get, as you get beyond that, you understand that this is just the process. And, and, and it, it's just a process. So, so as a 25-year-old, you have to understand that there's the rites of passage. You know, there, it's going to take some time for you to move from that idealistic, I can do it all kind of person, and that your, your philosophy is going to change, your view of the world is going to change, your knowledge base is going to increase, your insights are going to increase. And, and, and you just got to be patient. Because, you know, as I, as I was a 25-year-old, I looked at some of those people who are true icons in our business, and I looked up to them and admired them and said, man, I want to be just like them, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, uh, and I really wasn't patient enough. I, if I would have been a little bit more patient and uh, you know, just a little bit more persistent, I think I could have probably done more than I've done. And, right. and I think, so I, I think that's a, if I were to give somebody some advice, I, you know, trust yourself, know that you've got, got it in you to do a great job, be patient and be persistent. Excellent. Well, that's a great answer. Thank you so much. I have this last segment that I do with every single one of the guests that comes on the show. It's called Rapid uh -huh. Fire. And oh, Rapid the, Fire? The goal of this segment is for you to say the first thing that pops into your head, not, not thinking about it, just the first thing that pops into your head. I have about six questions for you. Go for it. All right, here we go. If you could put a phrase on a billboard, what would it be? Trust yourself. What? Trust yourself. If there was one book you could give to every graduate this year from your college, what would it be? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. How late did you stay up the night the Chicago Cubs won the World Series? One o'clock in the morning. <laughs> awesome. Favorite trumpet player to listen to? Is that a players or player? Player, one player. One player. Favorite trumpet player to listen to, Maynard Ferguson. 
Okay. If your story was turned into a movie, what actor would play you? Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, I have no idea. One one actor to play me. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably Matthew McConaughey. Oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, one last question. Let's say yeah. I'm sure you get this question all the time. If there's a new person coming into Chicago, they're looking for some good deep dish pizza. Where do you tell them to go? Oh, deep dish pizza, Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's, awesome. I went there when I went to Midwest, and it was it was amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Um, I really appreciate it, and I'm sure all the listeners do too. My pleasure. Thank you so very, very much. And like I said, it was such a treat to talk to Charles Mangini on the phone. And that's one of the reasons I set up this podcast is to talk to people who I normally wouldn't get to talk to. And I get to share it with all of you guys out there. So thank you so much for listening. Next week, we've got another great interview with Henry Miller. He's a middle school band director out in California. He teaches at Sierra Vista Middle School. And he's actually one of the 10 finalists for the Music Education Award at the Grammys. Big award. It was a big honor to get to interview him. And he talked a lot about some of the things he does in his classroom. Really, really excited to share that with you guys. And if you haven't already, go on to Facebook and like our page, Tenuto Podcast. I'm just going to be sending out who I'm interviewing each week, one post a week. Uh, it's not, I'm not going to be spamming your feed. If you want more information on who I'm interviewing, you can go there. You can also follow at Tenuto Podcast on Twitter, where I'm going to be sending out just little inspirational quotes. And then, like I said, telling you a little bit about who I'm interviewing. Subscribe on iTunes to the podcast and give us a review. I love, love to hear your feedback. Anything I can do to make the show better, please go ahead and let me know. Give me a review. Um, keep inspiring those kids out there. You guys are so inspiring. I love to hear your stories and have a great week. I will see you next Tuesday.